0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Soccer Morning. Here we go. We got to get all our settings right and the knobs in the right direction and all of those things, and then we can start having ourselves a soccer show. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Very happy to have you here on a Wednesday Soccer Morning. We're going to talk to Ross Dunbar, DW Sports, a gentleman who covers the Bundesliga, Uh, For a couple of outlets, including Fox Soccer, and uh, we'll get from him some thoughts on the beginning of the Bundesliga season, some of the bigger storylines that are happening over in Germany, including the situation with Kevin De Bruyne, the situation with Fabian Johnson, which is a very much of interest to American soccer fans, the situation with uh, Andrew Wooten, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Ross will have some insight on Andrew Wooten getting a call up to the U.S. men's national team. Certainly that's been reported over in Germany, as uh, the U.S. gets ready for a couple of friendlies here in uh, the month of September. All right, so here we go. We got a big, uh, big rundown of stories to get to in just a second. Also, remind you guys that we are taking phone calls later in the show, so get the, get that ready. Uh, 646-832-3909. That's the number, right? Just just put it in there and don't hit send yet. But when we're ready, I'll tell you, and you can hit send. We've got some news uh, on some American topics, certainly, in addition to the usual international roundup. Let's start with the UEFA Champions League. Manchester United comes back from a goal down against Club Bruges at Old Trafford and wins 3-1. Memphis Depay, the star of the show, the signing from the Netherlands and wearing the number 7, makes a big statement in a Manchester United uh, shirt with a couple of goals uh and uh, Manchester United takes a big advantage at home against Club Bruges in the first leg of the playoff uh playoff in the qualifiers there in um uh in the UEFA Champions League Lazio Lazio sorry let me try that again Lazio takes a 1-0 lead in their first leg against Bayer Leverkusen maybe talk about Leverkusen's chances of making the group stages with Ross Dunbar as well Bate 1-0 over Partizan Sporting Lisbon 2-1 over cska moscow so you've got a bunch of home winners there there was uh i believe maybe one more game what did i miss trevor i definitely missed uh maybe astana over apwell nicosia that's a one nothing winner for astana uh so i believe that's the only game uh, yeah that's the only game i didn't have there. arsenal product and u.s youth international um gideon zalalem was going on loan let me get my Going on loan to Rangers in the second division in Scotland. You obviously know Rangers having to try to come back up to the Scottish Premier League after financial problems the last couple of seasons. This will be an opportunity for Zlalem to play. The report from the Guardian is that this is a uh, a, a loan until January with an option to extend it for the full season. It has also been reported as a full season loan. So we shall see. uh, People who are uh, more familiar with the situation at Rangers – have indicated that he's likely to get over the full year as many as 30 starts. So that would be a a big step forward for a player who needs to be taking a senior-level step at some point uh, very, very soon. The United States is in Group A of the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying with Canada, Panama, and Cuba. That qualified tournament begins in October. Obviously, you remember that the United States failed to qualify for the 2012 Olympics in London. Uh, They uh, lost... To Canada, to nothing, and then drew with El Salvador, three-three, uh, under Caleb Porter, and were unable to get out of the group and make it to the Olympics. This is a targeted tournament for U.S. soccer in Jurgen Klinsmann, so we should expect a very strong group of players called up, depending on how this fits in uh, with um, uh, with international windows and clubs willing to to release players. Trevor, there's not there's not an international. Window at that point is there right there in that October because obviously the United States plays Mexico on October 10th which I'm assuming is in a FIFA window I don't think there's a window at the beginning of October leading up to that game so this is going to be as always a difficult process for the head coach in this case Andy Herzog to get teams to release players he needs to go qualify for the Olympics the LA Galaxy romped over Comunicaciones in the Champions League last night, five nothing. You got uh, Robbie Keane scoring goals. The uh, gifts being uh, being given to uh, to uh, to the Galaxy, who found it easy going on a uh, sandy pitch there at the StubHub Center. There, there's a, there's a window from October 5th to 13th, but the qualifying tournament actually starts before that. Uh, but perhaps the, there won't be a lot of conflict, or perhaps these uh, they can get the some of these players released for that. All right, so also with the CONCACAF Champions League, Correto held to a goalless draw by Virtus FC in Belize. Remember, Belize had to earn its way back to hosting some Champions League games with stadium issues and the like. Also, Tigres, 2-1 winners over Medipon at home in Mexico. Real Madrid has completed the signing of Inter midfielder Mateo Kovacic. The twenty-year-old, 21-year-old Croatian Excuse me, signs a six-year deal To play for the Spanish Giants, he joins a very crowded midfield and will likely be a reserve player this year. Uh, This is a rich-get-richer situation. Can't turn down Real Madrid. And yet you wonder if Kovacic is really best-suited or or best-served playing for Real Madrid and sitting behind some other players for the time being. He does have the opportunity to learn behind Luka Modric, uh, his countryman. Chelsea is making a late bid to grab Barcelona winger Pedro. Of course, he has been long linked to Manchester United this summer. I don't know where this stands at the exact moment. You constantly see these headlines that say swooping, swooping, hijacking, swooping. Uh but uh, lots of sources indicating that Chelsea is now the front runner as opposed to Manchester United. But it's not necessarily that Manchester United is being beaten to the signature of Pedro, etc. But that Manchester United may, not have, may have decided they don't want him at this point. Of course, you have some options within the Manchester United team. They've started relatively well, although not necessarily overly convincing in the Barclays Premier League. They do have players like Yanezai, who if they decide not to sell, because he is certainly the target of several teams around uh, Europe, could play the same sort of role as Pedro, clearly not as experienced and uh, not, uh, not not necessarily the player, the complete player that Pedro is. Uh, but there is an opportunity there for Giannis to step into the same role. And Manchester United to save the money that they might have spent um, on Pedro. Chelsea apparently have agreed to pay a fee of 28 million euros or nearly 20 million pounds with a further couple of million add-ons, according Two sources there in Europe as uh, as he leaves Barcelona, perhaps not because he wants to, but because he needs to, and playing time is something uh, he would like to get somewhere. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll grab Russ Dunbar, Ross Dunbar. We'll get his name correct, and we'll talk to him about the Bundesliga. It's Soccer Morning on worldsoccertalk.com dot com. We'll be right back. Facing the crowd, You're
0: talking too
2: loud.
1: The race to win the MLS Supporters' Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting eleven and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier League. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Zlatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers, with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at eurofantasyleague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. This Sunday is the Battle of DPs, as Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, Giovanni Dos Santos, Frank Lampard, and Robbie Keane battle it out in a clash between the LA Galaxy and New York City FC. I'll be calling the game on Rabble.tv, and I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, Press the mute button and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast, call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy versus New York City FC on rabble.tv where it's your team and your call
0: welcome back to soccer morning on world soccer talk with Jason Davis alright here we go we're going to talk a little
1: Bundesliga season is now underway. Our friend Ross Dunbar, you can follow him on Twitter at Russ Dunbar 93 is on the line with us now. He works for Fox Soccer and DW Sports. Hi, Ross. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing very well. All right, so the Bundesliga season is underway. We got an opportunity to see exactly how, uh, how things may go in terms of the best team in the league, because Bayern Munich opened up their season with an absolute romp over Hamburg. Is that uh, you know? That's a function of, of certainly Hamburg, but uh, but Bayern Munich's just going to be, yeah, they're they're go- they're going to be irresistible again this year.
3: Yeah, I think it'll probably be a procession again for them. Um, I think what was interesting actually was that um, Hamburg actually defended quite well. I mean, we we expect Bayern to play kind of short passes in and around the penalty box. Hamburg actually stuffed them out for about half an hour of the game, and it was. Only when they resorted to the long ball that they were actually quite effective. So that probably shows that uh, maybe they have to do a little bit of work thinking the team. But I was really impressed with Douglas Costa. Um, I, I was a little bit sceptical of that transfer initially, but I thought he was magnificent and his cross for uh, Thomas Muller's goal was absolutely exquisite. Um and, yeah, it's just a shame that it's, it, it might be a one-horse race, but I think other teams have shown potential as well in the first weekend. Okay, so give me
1: a couple of those teams who showed some potential for you and and uh, whether or not there will be a challenge at the top, there will be some some intrigue, at least, uh, you know, in that second tier.
3: Well, I thought Dortmund were absolutely fantastic. I mean, I must admit, I, I didn't expect that at all, but the manner of the performance and and the... Um, yeah, I thought that just the preparation of the way they played was really good. I mean, normally last year with Dortmund, they were, they were aggressive and they were quick and they, you know, they tried all the ideas that Klopp had done years before. But when they had the ball, they were really wasteful and they were punting the ball long. It was, it was like watching a mid-table English team at times. But, uh, with Tuchel, I thought they were excellent on the ball. especially against a team like Gladbach, who, you know, you know, let's not forget, even though they, they lost 4-0, but this is probably one of the best defensive teams in Europe. I mean, this is not a, it's not a poor, it's not a poor side. So Dortmund, I think, for one, will have a good season. I'm not sure whether they're going to be title challengers, to be honest, but, you know, they, they should be impressive to watch. Leverkusen, um, very impressive again in the second half on Saturday, I thought, um, good squad depth. They brought in Charles Arangues, former CEO, who's the Chilean national team player, and I think that's a great signing, and potentially they could be the, the second fourth this year. Unfortunately, while we're talking about uh, teams team that can compete, Wolfsburg, were really poor at the weekend, mm-hmm. and I think the Kevin De Bruyne saga is really beginning to um, it's beginning to have a bad effect on the team. Okay, so we Wolfsburg won,
1: but maybe not yeah. not not convincing, but they they won. You, you mentioned Dortmund and their convincing win over Gladbach. So, give me a sense of whether or not this is an indication that Gladbach is going to take, take a step back, and then I'll ask you about the American at Gladbach and his injury.
3: Yeah, I mean I think I think there are a couple of things with Gladbach. Obviously they've lost Christoph Kramer, um who had a fantastic loan spell there, played in the World Cup final, as we know, he's a massive player for them. They lost him as he went back to Leverkusen. Max Kruse, the striker, went to Wolfsburg. Um he was very important because of his link up play. Um, and they've obviously brought in a few players, Lars Stindel and Joseph Dremic, and I just don't think either of them are of the same quality. So, I think that's gonna have a bad effect on their season. Um, also, the demands of the Champions League, um, not just the fact that they've got to play week, weekend, sort of week, weekend sort of fixtures throughout the season, but I think just the intensity of the Champions League and the pressure of a, of a big traditional club like Gladbach, being back in the European Cup is a massive thing for them. I would say that they'll probably finish outside of the Champions League positions this year, but um uh, it's so far.
1: Okay, well, I mean, obviously, that they had a stellar season last year under Lucien Favre. Is that is he going to be the the guy? Is he, you think he's going to stick around for the full season? If they have some struggles, uh, fighting on multiple fronts, is he the kind of guy that could could either choose to leave or or that the club would up would actually decide to turn over?
3: Um, well, it's interesting because obviously what's happening at Bayern Munich, um, it certainly may have an effect on that mm-hmm. because from what you read and what you would gather, Lucien Favre is one of the names who potentially domestically could step into that job. I don't know if that's really true or not, but I think there's a re- sense of realism around Bruce and Gladbach. They are not going to fire Lucien Favre given what he's done for this club. When he took over, uh, they were bottom of the league. You know, this was a team that had Marco Royce and they could have got relegated and it's amazing to see them finish fourth, get back into the Champions League. So I think I think they might have a, a difficult season, but you know I think there's, there's, a, there's a sense of real, realism there, and I don't think um, they'll pull the pull the trigger on uh, Faber this season. One of the uh, one of the United States national team's best
1: players is at Gladbach. It's Fabian Johnson. Um, he had a, a stellar World Cup last year. There's, he's obviously an important player for for Jurgen Klinsmann going forward. One of the the coups in terms of the dual internationals that Jurgen Klinsmann has brought in, whether or not he would have ever been a a, a, a German player, a Germany player is, a, is sort of a, beyond the point. He certainly helped the U.S. and now he's injured. Um, this is comes at a difficult time for the United States as they get ready for for a very important game in early October. But what does it mean for Gladbach?
3: Um, well, uh, I was at the game on Saturday at Dortmund, and to be honest, he wasn't that impressive. Um, but I think that was probably a yeah an effect of, of the team in general. I think um, you know it's the sort of player that Fabian Johnson is. Need, he needs the kind of room to into it. He's a really quick player. He can get on the wing, get a couple of crosses in, but he didn't, he didn't really play to his strengths. He played a lot through the middle. Um, obviously, he picked up an injury after the game, played for 90 minutes, and um, he's probably going to be out for a few months. Um, that's a disappointment, obviously, for him because he'll probably miss the Champions League first few first few match days, which um, I think if you're a Gladbach glad player and you've put a lot of effort to get there, that's going to be a massive blow for him. And, of course, if he's not available for the US national team, then I think that's a, that's a blow for Klinsman as well. You mentioned okay. Let's let's talk about Leverkusen because they
1: um they they lose and then they go into the Champions League qualifying round and they 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 lose on the road, but they lose uh, the first uh, the first leg of, of of that tie. Are they going to be able to turn that around? I
3: think they've got the quality to do so. Um, I mean, I thought last night they were. Uh, quite good. I thought they created chances. They had a goal chopped off for offside, which has caused a little bit of confusion. But I think I think overall they have, they, they genuinely do have the attacking quality to turn that game around next week. Um, I think what would be a concern is someone like Hung-Min Son, the South Korean uh, attacking midfielder, who's not been as impressive. And in the two games so far, they've had to rely on substitutes to make the difference. Julian Brandt, uh, 19 years old, is is probably one of the brightest talents in, in German football right now. Certainly one player that I think. People should keep an eye out for. Admir McMeddy's came in, uh, the Swiss striker, and he's made a difference as well. So um, I think it will be tough, against, certainly against a Lazio team who stereotypically will be very uh, pragmatic about this sort of game. But I think I think they may have enough to turn it around. Yeah.
1: All right. As I said, we're, we're one one match day into the season. Bayern Munich is. Uh, Bayern Munich was uh, was fantastic <clears throat> on their opening weekend, despite the fact, as you said, Hamburg actually played reasonably good uh, defensive football. Uh, Dortmund is impressive. I got a couple of teams who who did fail to impress, including Gladbach. Uh, let's let's talk about underdogs. Uh, the, you know the, the the small teams that everybody loves to root for, especially in a in a league where there are some established uh, big clubs. Ross, uh, give me a sense of. What we can expect out of somebody, I don't know, like Darmstadt, who's coming up for the first time in, in over thirty years.
3: I think I think the problem with teams that come up from this Vice Bundesliga, and it's the same probably with the championship in the Premier League in England, is that there's a novelty factor about these clubs. They they will just run themselves into the ground week in, week out. And we saw that in the first weekend of the season. Darmstadt were at home to Hanover, they've got a really old football ground. I mean, if anyone is in Germany and they want to visit a really old-fashioned football stadium, that's the one you should go for. And the atmosphere was great, a lot of passion, a lot of really intensive football. But defensively, they were quite poor, and Hanover came back and got a point out of that game. And um, with Ingolstadt, it was a quite an impressive result against a, a fairly, you know, a fairly established team like Mainz. They won one nil. Um, I think both teams will probably get relegated this year again. Uh, I just think that, the you know, when you're up against teams like, um, Hertha, Hertha Berlin and Hamburg and Stuttgart and Cologne, I think it's very difficult for teams who have a very small budget to, yeah. to compete. I mean, especially a team like Darmstadt, I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that two years ago, they could have been relegated to, to the fourth division. It was only a financial, and um, do from one of the clubs that they stopped them from from going down to the fourth tier so i mean they arrived of something quite extraordinary
1: yeah let, let, let's just briefly here since you bring that up um you know we've seen i mean obviously the the story with elche in spain got a lot of headlines last year and, and it kept ibar in in the first division there um but the the sense is and this has been the the praise heaped on on Germany for the last last couple of years now is that while the rest of the footballing world has gone mad with debt and and spending and and all of these things, Germany has been financially responsible that they have the 50 plus 1 rule and that this is uh, the the model for everybody else.
3: Is it as as good as that? Is it as glowing as that? I'm not sure it's as as simplistic as that. I think um, it depends where you look perhaps. I mean, I think certainly from an international standpoint, if you look at a team like Borussia Dortmund who obviously turned themselves around over 10 years and played the sort of football that they did. It's, it's, it's easy to make that kind of assertion about the whole league, but there's so many different facets. I mean, look at a team like Schalke, for example. Massive club in Germany. I, I don't think people in in certainly the English-speaking world understand how big a club Schalke actually is. And they are crippled with that. They are absolutely crippled yeah. with debt. You're seeing a lot of clubs... Uh, you know, spinning off their football organizations. Obviously, Germany, um, you know, a lot of the clubs are run by member organizations. A lot of clubs are spinning off those organizations into actual companies on the stock market. Teams like Hamburg, for example. Hamburg are about 150 million euros in debt. They've, they've spent a lot of money. Stuttgart are in debt. Um, one other aspect, I think, if you go further down the league is that a lot of the teams from the former East Germany are crippled with debt as well. A lot of clubs took loans in the 90s. 90s, um obviously high rates um and that's why you kinda of see a lot of these East German teams struggling to, to compete in the second league and in the third division. Um so I don't think it's as simple. I think German football has a, has a bad experiences with spending. I mean in the late nineties they had um the collapse of the the, the 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 broadcast the broadcasting contract which I think would have a massive effect in any country. So I think they've they've learned their lessons but I don't think it's as, as simple as financial prudency rather than you know being reckless.
1: Well, and, and again, we, we come to, you know, that everything is relative in, in the big European leagues. Um, it's, it's, you know, when we talk about the, the we talk about La Liga, there are, there are three teams that can actually win that title right now, which is one more than usual with Atletico Madrid putting together another, uh, another solid team that can challenge. Uh, in England, we know there's four or five and that's, that's considered wide open. Uh, in Germany, there's really one team that's gonna really, you know, that we can expect to win the title with, maybe if bayern munich slips up there's a there's a chance somebody could pip in there and it, and we've seen dortmund do it in recent past but really the strength of germany is supposed to be the quality all the way up and down the league right so is there um you know is is that something that germany can actually exploit in relation to some of these other leagues and as they take a, a position of prominence in europe I, I just what i'm saying i don't even know what i'm asking necessarily ross i'm just i'm just you know germany is is both at, at the same time, uncompetitive and very competitive.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, the, the problem is, is that the game has developed so much over such a sh- short space of time. When I when I first started watching German football, it was in a decade where you had Werder Bremen, who won the championship. You had Stuttgart, who won the championship. Um, you had Dortmund, who won the championship. So even in the last sort of 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of different teams who have had success. You have teams like Schalke, who have, Finish second. You've teams, um, yeah, like Stuttgart who have been up there as well. Dortmund, Gladbach, whatever. So there are a lot of teams who have a bit of, who have a bit of strength. But the reality is that Bayern Munich have pulled away quite significantly over the last few years. I think, I think it's only realistic to say that. I, mean, I think European football reflects that nowadays that there are one or two teams who have that kind of, that kind of dominance. Um, unfortunately, I think I, I remember speaking to one sporting director in Germany, and he said that really the reality is that you expect Bayern Munich to win the league, but if they slip up, then you have to be ready to capitalise on that. And I think that's that's kind of the reality of the Bundesliga this year. You would have to you'd have to see a mighty implosion from Bayern Munich for them not to win the championship.
1: Yes, as we get, you know, it's it's that as said, things have changed. The game has changed. The money at the top level has become so immense. It's almost as if you were... You know, Miami has always been a <clears throat> a massive club, and certainly they were the, the club positioned best to take advantage of all of the new money that's come into the game and, um, you know, the exponential growth for those clubs. And in England, it was, you know, it was Manchester United and, and certainly Chelsea with a big influx, uh, and, you know, big uh, amount of spending on Abramovich's part. So we've seen sort of the... Uh, I, I don't know. The, the, these clubs become super clubs over time. But again, we, we also want to we, we want to focus on the rest of the league and talk about what it has to offer. I guess as we move forward, and here's a, there's a question on Twitter here, which I'm not sure you'll have a lot of insight in, uh, into, Ross. But there is a notion that Germany has not yet figured out a way, the Bundesliga has not yet figured out a way to exploit the American market, which is bringing a lot of money into the Premier League. And they just upped with with NBC Sports here for six more years, and it's across all the platforms. They're showing every single game of uh, making every game available to American soccer fans. Is there a chance Germany can do the Bundesliga can do something in that vein? And how do they make their game more popular, especially in the English speaking world?
3: Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's a good point because I think the Premier League has cornered a lot of the you know the kind of globalized world. I mean, if you were trying to break into the Asian market for example you probably wouldn't have a chance because the English clubs have got such a stranglehold over that over that market um yeah I, th- I think there is potential for German football to to um, to break into the American market but it depends really what what institutions want when they try to break into these markets do they want to just make a lot of money or do they want to actually grow a long term fan base because I think over the short term the reality is that the German football probably isn't going to make masses of money from American, American spectators. I don't think that's really going to happen. Um, but you're probably looking at it over maybe a five to ten year kind of period, whether they can actually, uh, have a kind of, you know, a genuine committed fan base in the US. Because, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to, to make money in the short term from these kind of projects. The Premier League has taken a long time to, to, to have that kind of, that kind of financial boost. So, I think it's got potential, but I think maybe what puts a lot of people off is if um, you know Bayern Munich are winning the league by twenty-five, thirty points every season, and uh, I don't think that's healthy for the league at all. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the history, I think if you look at the history of German, German football since the Bundesliga, no team has won the league, the league more than three years in a row. This would be the first time yeah. in about fifty years that a team would have that kind of dominance over four years, and I think that would be a worrying trend for, for the, the German league. But unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of fans find the issue that the league is out of touch with, with supporters. I mean, there's been a lot of things this weekend, a lot of protests about Monday night matches, Monday night matches potentially scheduled in the Bundesliga to try and commercialize the league to compete with England. And that's not very popular. So I think there's still a long way to go in that regard. Do you, do you think that there is a,
1: there is some level of competition that, that between England and, and the Bundesliga and that the, there are, these are two Two uh, leaderships who are actually—I'll say this this way—programming against each other because you know obviously um, England's played a Friday match, which has traditionally been a, a spot for the Bundesliga. We saw Bayern Munich open up against Hamburg on Friday. Manchester United played Aston Villa, I believe was was the game. And I saw some people on Twitter sort of openly wondering if the Premier League was putting that game in that slot to go up against the the Bundesliga and try to grab attention away from what could potentially be their biggest rival in terms of global
3: uh, popularity. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you, if you look at it from, from either situation, I mean, these are, you know, massive capitalist organisations. They want to compete against each other. And when you look at the way that Richard Scudamore has, has run the Premier League over the last decade or whatever, you know, he's, he's a bit of a no-nonsense character. And, you know, if, if, if he has to make decisions that maybe are unpopular to get, the best out of the Premier League, then he will do that. Um, I think the DFL, the, the organization who's in charge of the Bundesliga has, has already said that, you know, it will make decisions to try and bridge that gap with the Premier League. I mean, unfortunately, I think the reality is that nothing is going to compete with the Premier League right now. It's going to take a long time to build that gap. I, I read one interesting article last night that compared the, um, the English Premier League to the NBA and, or, and, and its, and its dominance and how it maybe is the European Super League that we all fear. Maybe the, maybe the English Premier League in itself is actually the European Super League now. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but right. I think it's going to be difficult for the Bundesliga to bridge that gap whilst not turning off the local supporters because, you know, one of the biggest attractions about German football is the attendances, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I was at the Dortmund game on Saturday and it was, a, it was a fantastic atmosphere. The energy inside that stadium was nothing like I had experience in the UK. So that's a big selling point, but if you, if you run for the money, then you might lose that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- there are that's that's the um, that's the calculus being done by by a lot of these leagues as they consider how to be how how to be successful while at the same time not necessarily losing their roots. I mean, you know, we've seen Spain playing games now. It uh, looks being up, you know, starting things late is a Spanish tradition, uh, a Spanish cultural uh, thing. But they still they're playing these games so late because what they're trying to maximize the Asian market. Uh, that's that, and that's just very cynical a very cynical way to run the sport, Ross, but that leads me to the question about the Super League, a, any conceivable Super League, and, and I, maybe this is the wrong way to ask it, and this is really tough, but in the end, would the Bundesliga, maybe not necessarily in terms of its global, global profile or the popularity of the sport or how much money these clubs can make, but the just the the basic, um, the, the purity of the football, would the Bundesliga be better off if Bayern Munich left for some European Super League and everybody else was left to, to just play for titles within Germany?
3: Um, no, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think it would be. I think, actually, the Bundesliga has had some benefits of Bayern Munich being so strong in the Champions League. I mean, Bayern Munich have been in three Champions League finals in five years. Borussia Dortmund have been in the Champions League finals. So, actually, it's, it's, it's quite. it's a bit of a paradox because, actually, the Bundesliga needs... Bayern Munich to be very strong in Europe. It needs to compete in the latter rounds of the Champions League. But at the same time, it's a catch-22 situation because if they're so strong in the Champions League, then they they win the, the Bundesliga by 10-15 points every season. So really, what the Bundesliga needs is to encourage teams like Dortmund and Schalke and Gladbach and Wolfsburg obviously not a traditional club, but they've got money to actually compete and. I think, I think we've seen that in the past. I mean, it's only been the last two or three seasons that that's not really happened. So, um, I'm not sure it would be better off without Bayern Munich. And unfortunately, um, yeah, the European Super League thing is something that, that, you know, is, is still, is still palpable. You still think that it could happen eventually, but I don't know whether it would be in the interest of Bayern Munich to make that happen. And actually, to be honest, I think you have publicly, um, dismissed that idea. I think it would probably be better for countries that maybe, um, Are a bit smaller, like Holland and Scotland and Portugal and all that kind of thing, rather
1: than you know your top five leagues in Europe. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's come to let's come to let's go back to Wolfsburg and talk about Kevin De Bruyne because the, the twist in this saga, and of course he is a target of of Manchester City, and um, the, you know whether or not he leaves, I'm not sure. We'll get to that, but but there is this twist in which he was at uh, the Sports Build Awards and was now he you know German not his first language. He was sort of, what, what tricked into to, to saying he was going to stay or tricked into a an oath of loyalty? Exactly what happened there? <laughs>
3: uh, well, he was he was collecting his award, and the um, the moderator kind of nudged him towards the issue. And I think he asked, I mean, if I remember watching the video, I think he asked maybe three or four times, and he was getting a bit repetitive. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne came back and it's kind of broken German and said that he would um, play Wolfsburg this season, which is interesting because... To be honest, um, having interviewed him a few times before, I'm not sure he's bothered whether he plays in England or Germany. I don't think I don't think it's a massive issue to him personally. I yeah. think I think what would be the stumbling block is whether Wolfsburg want to sell him because, you know, this is a club that's bankrolled by Volkswagen. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether Man City offer sixty million or seventy million, they don't need to sell him. And if they do right. sell him, they're essentially surrendering second place because right. as we saw at the weekend right. This is a team that really functions with a player of that star quality, and if he's not there, then I don't think they're of the same quality going into the Champions League either.
1: It's interesting uh, that, that that's certainly the, one of the factors here. I, I find it fascinating that this is a player who, you know, had was with an English club, and and you know, I I guess the. I guess the, the the general belief is that he didn't get a, a fair shake at Chelsea, and that's that's why it's okay for him to go back to the Premier League. And he'll he'll find. I know he's just, he's improved as a player. Don't get me wrong. I know he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga last year, so that certainly speaks to his quality. But at, at, it's fat, I don't know how many players like him would get uh, this early in their career would get another opportunity to go back to England, out and especially
3: considering the the fee involved is going to be significant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the thing with going to Chelsea is that we see this with so many players that they go to Chelsea thinking, OK, I'm going to break into Mourinho's first team. But that's really difficult. I mean, Mourinho rarely goes away from his regular 15, 16 players. You know, he's not going to... You see it with Mohamed Salah, for example, and Cuadrado and all these players who have gone to Chelsea that they find the same problems as De Bruyne. And, you know, people accuse them of not working hard enough. Um, To be honest, my impressions of him are that he's very hardworking. I think he's very determined. I think he's got that little bit of aggression on the pitch, and you see that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's definitely improved since he came to Germany. He had a fantastic loan spell at Werder Bremen. Um, that was really the first time that we saw him play competitive football in one of the top leagues. Um, he went back to Chelsea had a few games, but then went to Wolfsburg, and he's been outstanding since then. I genuinely think he'd be a magnificent signing for any English club right now. I think, I think he's probably one of the most complete playmakers in Europe right now. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to cost a lot, and I think that will be the biggest, barrier from Manchester City is whether they can convince Walker to sell him. I think they'll sell him eventually because you know they've they've been they've already said publicly that they might sell him within the next 12 months but I think I think most people would expect him to go to Bayern Munich if mm-hmm. they sell him in 12 months time which I'm not sure if that's a great development for the Bundesliga if you know, Bayern Munich signed the best player from the second force again. I mean, that's, I mean, that's they, what. Yeah, they keep doing that. They, they need yeah. to stop doing that
1: very quickly. <laughs> here, has there been any talk within Germany? I mean, I look, like money money talks, and, and when Bayern Munich comes and, and offers you a big check, and especially if you're a club that has has to service some debt or uh, just needs to build um, from the bottom up a little bit, or, or certainly could use a big check from from Bayern Munich to go buy three, four, five players to strength, strengthen your squad. But has there been any talk about? I would call it collusion. Uh, certainly, like, the rest The rest of the Bundesliga sort of looking at their situation and going, we can't keep selling our best players to Bayern Munich. We'll never have a shot then.
3: Mm. Yeah, but then if you don't sell to Bayern Munich, then you have to sell to the Premier League. And sure, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, a, it doesn't really matter what you do. I mean, unfortunately, if you're a team maybe in the mid-table of the Bundesliga... You're part of this European football food chain where, unfortunately, you're going to get eaten up by the biggest teams. I think this is something that we've seen over the last 10-15 years with Bayern Munich. They will strategically sign the best players of other teams. Actually, I, saw, I read an interesting article um, this week about Mario Goetz's transfer from Borussia Dortmund. and One of the accusations of Bayern Munich was that they signed this player just to weaken the opposition, which... I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but you kind of see the kind of thought process of Bayern Munich that actually, while we're signing a player of that quality, they're also weakening uh, their opposition. And um, I think the thing with De Bruyne is that, you know, I, I'm not I say, I'm not sure whether he's that... ...about going to Man City or to, to staying at Wolfsburg or going to Bayern Munich. But I think if you have the option of staying at Wolfsburg for one more season and playing in the Champions League and then maybe going to Bayern Munich, I think that's quite an easy decision to make, yep. probably, for a player who's been in Germany for, for a year and a half. All right,
1: Ross, let me finish with uh, with this uh, briefly. Uh, this is not Bundesliga. This is actually uh, down in the second division. But Andrew Wooten, a, a striker at Sandhausen, has reportedly been uh, added to Jürgen Klinsmann's uh, roster for a couple of friendlies coming up in September. He's 25. He's never really gotten a full look with the U.S. national team. Do you know much about this player? And, and you know, is he the type of uh, of striker who... I suppose could score goals on the international level again, considering that the United States is not in the strongest confederation in the world.
3: Yeah, well, Sandhausen are absolutely banging them in the moment in the second division. It's quite hilarious to watch. I mean, they 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 thrashed Paderborn six 0 at the weekend. I mean, Paderborn were the team who got relegated last season, so I mean that's quite an extraordinary result. And Sandhausen. If they got promoted would be, you know, much smaller than Paraborn, much smaller than Darmstadt. It would be, it would be something quite ridiculous. With Andrew Wooten, he's been, he's been around the second division for a while. I think he was at Kaiserslautern before. Um, he's, I mean, from what I've seen, he's, he's quite a powerful kind of wide forward. He's not really a centre forward as such. Um, I saw Paraborn's goals at the weekend there and he, and he looks more of a kind of powerful, wide player, not a winger as such, but somebody who could score goals from that position. He was named as kickers um player of the player of the match day two weeks running. So that's quite impressive. Um, and I think like you said, I mean if we play against maybe weaker teams in the Confederation, I think he could do a job. And I think from Klinsmann's point of view it's 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 not bad to have players who are doing so well in a competitive league. To have in your in your national team pool. Yeah, you, well, you, you you mentioned that
1: he may not be a, a a center forward. He may be a you know sort of big, powerful wider forward, and that's not necessarily what the U.S. needs at this point. We're pretty <laughs> desperate for center forwards over here, Ross. So uh, I don't know. Klinsmann will try to transition him. I mean, we we certainly have seen Terrence Boyd, uh, who may be more classically a center forward um, in the in the U.S. setup, and and he's got. I, I'm, do you know where he is right now? I know he's I, I'm not not club wise. I, I know he's with Red Bull Leipzig, but in terms of his, uh, his health, do you have any idea on, on Terence Boyd? Oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure about
3: his current health, but he hasn't been playing. I mean, they, 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 they've signed a lot of expensive strikers, and I think they've got five or six other options than, than Terence Boyd. So um, I think he's got a little bit to go yet.
1: By the way, what, what happens if Leipzig goes all the way up and makes the Bundesliga next year? Is, is, there, a, is there a protest? Today?
3: <laughs> I mean, what, what happens? I, th- I think we can all cry yeah okay. <laughs> yeah I think I think the problem is, is that you've seen even in the second division a lot of these traditional clubs with really aggressive supporters have actually tried to attack the team hotel, attack the team bus, all that kind of thing. I think that would intensify a lot if they got promoted, and that's not really a good thing for well, you
1: actually reminded me um, that there was a, a bus shot. W- whose bus was it? Hurt the Berlin's bus was shot at d- before a cup match. What was yeah. what was the situation there? And, and I mean, that, that's not the kind of thing I, I associate. I mean, look, there are certainly very passionate fans in Germany, and they're as uh, as likely to go overboard as anybody. But that's not something I would associate with Germany normally.
3: No, I've not. I've not seen any kind of folly from that story. I just remember seeing it last week or two weeks ago in the in the, in the cup weekend and. I can't remember who they were playing necessarily, but, um, yeah, the bus, the team bus was shot at. And yeah, it's the sort of thing you would associate maybe with Turkish football or something like that, but not, not really in Germany. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what you're seeing is there is a kind of, there is a kind of fan problem there. I mean, you see a lot of fan groups that are quite militant in their approach. Uh, even the bigger clubs have this problem as well. And I don't think it's a positive development, but it's something that the authorities will find very difficult to contain. They were on. They were on
1: their way to a first-round tie with Arminia Bielefeld. I can't pronounce German, so there you go. Um, maybe one day, maybe one day in the future, Ross and I'll see if Trevor can book this. We, we'll have we have you back, and we'll have a discussion about, uh, the the political situation in Europe and how it impacts German football because that's uh something I'm always interested in. We're, certainly, we've seen the, some of these far-right groups attach themselves to the game and that's uh, that's certainly not something anybody wants to see ross dunbar fox soccer dw sports follow him on twitter at ross dunbar 93 uh ross appreciate the time and the insight fantastic thank you very much no baller thanks for having me again all right let's take a break and we come back we'll the phone lines to talk to you on a wednesday a couple of interesting items in the news at soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com be right back The race to win the MLS Supporters' Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Slatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at eurofantasyleague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. This Sunday is the Battle of DPs as Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, Giovanni Dos Santos, Frank Lampard, and Robbie Keane battle it out in a clash between the LA Galaxy and New York City FC. I'll be calling the game on Rabble.tv. And I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV Press the mute button and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast called one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy versus New York City FC on Ravel.tv, where it's your team and your call.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Here we are back on Soccer Morning Wednesday's program. Let's open up those phone lines. 646 832 3909 is the phone number. I got a couple of things we can talk about here in the call in portion of the program. Anything that's already been discussed, including all of those German topics, certainly open. Here you go. Fabian Johnson missed some time. That's a big blow to Blobach, but certainly a big blow to the U.S. men's national team as well. Uh, we've also got the, the Champions League, which is underway. It's Champions League-like stuff, not exactly the group stages, but it's still something. Gedeon Zalalam Now, this is the update. I did the news at 9.05 that Gedeon Zalala had, had decided, or sorry, there had been a loan agreed with Rangers in Scotland. But I'm now seeing that there is actually a report out there. Several other teams are interested and that it may not be Rangers in the end. Rangers face anxious wait over Arsenal kid Gideon Zalalem as trio of English sides way up move for Ibrox target. That's the headline of the Daily Record. Quite the headline. Uh, the teams uh, reportedly interested in, in, Zal- in Zalalem include Fulham, Charlton, and Birmingham City. I I think I would okay be. A, I think I would be better. With a English championship move than a Scottish championship move for a couple of reasons. um I have a better league first of all, and that's better competition. now again, all of this caveat he's got to play he's got to play and as I said, if he ends up at, at Rangers, there are people saying that even if they've got a lot of uh, even if they got a pretty good midfield there, they are the second division, he would get 30 starts, 40 starts, maybe not that many, but 30 at least. If he goes to Fulham, Charlton, or Birmingham City, would he get starts? Would he get a lot of playing time? Is that something we, we can uh, imagine right now? I just read a piece over at Top Door Soccer yesterday sort of asking questions about Emerson Hyman's situation at Fulham as he has turned down contract extension after contract extension, does not seem to be in their plans, despite, or the, the manager's plans, despite the fact that they have offered him a new contract, and he may be on his way out. And I'm not saying that there's a connection between Hyman and Zalala, but if Hyman, who played pretty well to start the championship campaign last year, can't get back into that team and start, are we positive that Zalala would step into a team like Fulham and get a lot of playing time? I don't know. Let's go to Rich in Philly. What's up, Rich? Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Doing well. What's on your mind today?
4: Um, it, I was on Twitter this morning and there was a post that came up of, uh, Forbes, uh, what was it most lucrative oh, MLS teams? Yes. And then the, yes. And was of, I was looking at an article I read yesterday on a, that a about MLS ownership. Most fans hate it. Like, uh, <clears throat> so we hate our ownership and I know Colorado says they're hating their ownership and I read yeah. yesterday that the fire phase of having a protest this Saturday about their ownership. And also, like, the same thing over time of, you know, why do these owners pay money or do they have money or they refuse to pay higher money for salaries. And I think the reason why they don't do it is because they were told they don't have to. They were told when when they bought MLS team, they were told by MLS, you can own a pro sports franchise. You don't have to pay that much money. Or you could, you could have a salary. Your, your whole place out to be, like, $2 million. And all you need to do is find some combination of players to work
1: and you win a championship out of it.
4: So they don't. They didn't, They were
1: told they didn't have to spend money. Well, it's like in, nowadays, look, look, come on, come on, Rich. It's like anything else. Yes, okay. There is, there was sort of this buy-in element to MLS. You buy in, and then you really you do what you want. I mean, this is this is true with any other sports league. Let's not let's not paint MLS is is overly different. I know single entity gives it a different kind of flavor, but there are plenty of leagues where owners buy teams and then do nothing, and then sit on their hands, and then refuse to spend money. And, you know, maybe they're waiting for the value of the, the franchise to go up based on the overall success of the league. Maybe they're waiting to, for it to be pulled up in terms of value by everybody else, and then they'll sell and get out and, and make some cash. Or maybe they're just like owning a franchise, but don't necessarily want to spend money. I mean, I think, I think that you've got a situation where there are bad owners in every league. And I don't know that we want to paint MLS as any different than any other league Incompetence and poor management is not necessarily tied to a single entity structure, Rich.
4: Yeah. Uh, I, that, that was my. I was thinking, like, maybe that's why, like, you know, a lot of the players, teams like Seattle and LA, they're spending the money, and then you have, like, my team and Philly and Chicago and Colorado. They don't, they don't have to. And they wouldn't. And I excuse yeah, I was thinking more of the single entity as like they were told. Oh. Okay, oldest pro sports, sports, sports franchise. You don't have to pay much money on it.
1: Okay, but, but you uh, don't
4: really have to do much.
1: But well, wait, what's the, you're, you're, what you're saying is that they were promised an opportunity to go win a title, despite the fact they're not spending money. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like you, they like you, it wouldn't be like other sports where you had to
4: pay the high salaries of players. Because it always goes back to, well, uh, who's the teams that in MLS has seen to win well, look, the leagues? It's the league teams and, and, that don't have the big DPs, you and, know? And one of, the selling, of
1: LA, of one of the selling points for MLS, and one of the things that has allowed it to grow as fast as it has, is that it is in it is one of the, the less expensive ways to buy into pro sports. I mean, Anthony Precourt wasn't going to be buying an NBA franchise or a Major League Baseball franchise, but he had enough money to buy an MLS franchise. Yeah, this is the bargain the bargain bin of sports teams in the in America. I mean, it's it, that's just the way it is. I mean, the the value, the highest valued team in the league. I'm looking at the list that you were just talking about that Sean Francis shared on on Twitter. I'm not, it's coming from the, the the Forbes list, which I guess we're we're gonna get later. But the highest value team in MLS is is the the Seattle Sounders at 245 million dollars. That is a that uh-huh. is that is one quarter, one quarter of what an NBA team goes for these days. I mean, an NBA team goes for. Can go for a, I mean, maybe overvalued. I don't know, but an NBA team can go for a billion dollars in this in this day and age. That's so that tells you where MLS sits in relation to the other sports teams in this country, and it's a different level of owner. I mean, you know, okay, maybe maybe Phil Anschutz has enough money to buy and sell everybody in the NFL, mostly. Uh, maybe a couple other guys have that kind of cash, but for the most part, these guys are, you know, they're groups like what's going on in Kansas City. Uh, it's, it's Merritt Paulson, who's a rich guy, but not a super wealthy guy. It's, uh, it's Jay Sugarman who was doing well. Then the market hit him hard and now he doesn't have the money necessarily to compete with a Seattle or LA. And again, I, I don't know that that's intrinsically a bad thing, but maybe it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe the growth of MLS will be stunted by the fact that we have these owners who are, uh, you know, again, they they're. They're not the upper echelon of wealthy sports team owners in this country. Maybe you're, maybe you're right about but the spending about as well. Go ahead. Like,
4: go ahead. I'm sorry. But what about guys like New England? You know, you have Robert oh, yeah. Kraft. He yeah. owns the Patriots. He's willing to give money for the Patriots, but it doesn't seem right. this, this window to do anything for the refs.
1: Yeah, you know, or it's a
4: good point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
1: no, no, you're right. I mean, there, there are certainly some owners who have, who have chosen, despite the fact they have the wherewithal, not to spend. And that makes them look bad, it makes the league look bad, and it pisses off the fans. Uh, and, and as you said, there are ways that MLS gets around some of these issues by creating an environment with parity and a, and a low salary cap and playoffs that allow teams like New England, despite the fact they're not going to spend on the level of, of the biggest teams or the biggest spenders, to be competitive and go to an MLS Cup final and maybe have a trophy in their case. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that's a selling. So but that's, yeah, that's a selling point so for a lot of guys. I, Go I, ahead. I'm sorry. I, I keep going after you. My bad. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's all right. Go ahead.
4: I, I, I said, don't get me wrong. I want the big. Si- I want the big salaries. I want them to pay the big money. I I would love that, especially in Philadelphia. I would love that. But I I think that's what's going on. they were told you can do what you don't need to do as much like Clowney. He owns the Rams and the Nuggets and that, Av- and Avalanche of Av- Colorado, where he pays big money salaries for his players on those teams. He told. I could own this team, not have to do anything, and win a championship. And I could do it with, with the pocket change in my, in my car. And I think that's what you yeah, but it's Yeah, but it.
1: that's proving not to be true, isn't it? I mean, isn't it proving not to be true? You can't be skinflint and go win a title in MLS anymore. You can't operate. I mean, the last team to operate on a what I would call a budget to win a title is what, the Rapids. And that was a long time. That seems like a long time ago. Maybe it's not, but it seems like a long time ago. Since then, we've had Galaxy, 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 Sporting Kansas City. Who, yeah, okay, maybe not the top spenders in the league, but they're certainly not sitting around counting their pennies. I, I yeah, I, you know, I think this is a league that that maybe is changing, and maybe and that look, that's why Rapid fans are pissed off because Kroenke hasn't put in the effort and spent the money, and they are, and, and why Chicago Fire fans are pissed off that even though Hopman's shown some. Signs of life with Jermaine Jones and Didier Drog, but they're still failing to bring in the type of talent necessary to win in this league. I don't know; it's 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 tough, man. It is it's tough. Thanks for the call; I appreciate it, Rich.
5: No problem. And there he
1: goes, uh, There's Rich. I mean, no conclusions drawn, but yeah, there's there's some element of it. It's, by the way, the list, and we'll get to to Landon here in a second. Who wants to talk about Bill Manning leaving uh, Salt, uh, leaving Real Salt Lake? This list the the it goes in order of the most valuable MLS teams. The Sounders 245, the Galaxy 212, these are in millions of dollars. Uh, The Dynamo are the third most valuable team in MLS at $200 million. I'm surprised by that. Uh, Portland 185, Toronto 175, Chicago 160. At the bottom, there's a bunch of teams in the middle, obviously, at the bottom. The Colorado Rapids, $105 million. And just above them, Real Salt Lake at 108. million. Million dollars, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, they are in a very small market when compared to the rest of the the league, and number two, their revenues are small, and that may be because they're in a small market. Uh, the the revenues actually mentioned here by Forbes and Rail Salt Lake, uh, has the second or sorry, third lowest revenue in all of MLS ahead of only Colorado and San Jose. Uh, what's up, Landon?
2: Hey Jason. Yeah, first off, just want to give a kind of correction of what you just said there. You said the last team that went in and lost cup on a budget was uh Colorado. Based on those numbers you just said, it definitely wasn't Colorado. It was us.
1: When did Colorado win their title?
2: Oh. 2000- I don't know to be honest with you.
1: Well, that that's why I said the last one because you guys won in 2009. I'm pretty sure Colorado Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure Colorado they, they, has they won, won two thousand two thousand uh two thousand ten two thousand eleven Ten, ten. I think it was yeah. a 10. You're right. There you go. Yeah, I
2: got this mixed up. You're right. <laughs> I win. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so hey, uh, yeah, I just want to talk about Bill Manning. Um, what do you What do you think about that? Uh,
1: I think that I would be very concerned about the direction that this team is headed in under Deloy Hansen If I was a, a, a Real Salt league fan, that's what I think.
2: Yep. Yep. And that's 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 about exactly how I feel. I mean. So the the trio that I think did really well for us was Kreiss, Loggerway, and uh, and a Manning. And all three of those guys are gone right now, along with half our team. One what what is what, what can a RSL fan look forward to right now? The thing is, it's a completely new team. I don't think Deloitte has taken. Taking this team in the right direction at all. And the one thing that I thought was really good going forward, they just completely cut him. I'm getting really, really worried about the you know, about what they're going to be doing the rest yeah. of this season and next season as well.
1: Yeah, when I mean when you see all right, look, Jason Christ, he comes up against a contract. They offer him a contract. I don't know what the numbers were. I can't remember what the reporting was at the time, but clearly it's going to be difficult for them to compete with NYCFC. I, I don't know that I blame yeah. Hansen for that situation. Then Garth Lagerway comes up against his contract. Now maybe Garth thought, okay, I had hitched my wagon to Jason Christ, uh, he's gone. I really don't have a whole lot of reason to stay. I have an opportunity to go play to to go work for a team that's got a lot more resources than RSL. And oh and look again, that's not necessarily Hanson's fault. The fact that RSL is in a metropolitan area of a million people and that's small compared to everybody else and that means your revenue can't uh, can't match what you know what some of these other clubs are getting. But to lose Manning, also, or to say to to let Manning go, uh, I guess he'd been working without a contract for a little while, does indicate that this is a complete, complete overhaul of the team. Not just, well, we're going through a transition period and we want to bridge the gap between Christ and Cassar. And okay, yeah, no, you know, Garth Lagerwey's moved on, but but you know, uh, uh, Weibel will do a, a fine job. He's he knows the league. We're talking about. Complete, complete turnover, and that means that your identity as uh, of what makes RSR, RSL RSL has kind of has kind of started to fade. I think. Do you feel that? I mean, you, exactly. You still, you still got Beckerman and Morales and some of these other guys, Beltran. Um, but you've seen Grabovoy leave. You've seen, you know, you you've seen some players leave that that were crucial to those to those. And look, age is a thing that happens. You can't really blame them necessarily for cutting ties at a, for a player if he's older. And cost too much against the cap, but y- you know what made me fall in love with RSL just as a neutral is kind of all gone.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's it's, it's interesting because my wife and I are talking now because our season tickets are coming up for renewal, and we've been season ticket holders for for three years now, and uh, you know, we became season ticket holders because we loved it. I mean, the game was the team was amazing, everyone was doing really well. well Last year, or this year, they they up the the R season tickets by forty percent, and then on okay. top of that, mm-hmm. the the team is not at all the same that it was when we first started. Completely different team, completely different front office. Not playing really well. Yeah, like you said, there's like five or six players, Beckham and Ramondo, whatnot, we're still on it. But it's a completely different team right now. And we're kind of sitting back, saying, "Hey, is this is this worth doing it another year? Or we just want to you know catch a game once in a while and and watch from home because not even one of." Still pretty mad at the front of the office for jacking those prices up so much when yeah. the team definitely did not get forty percent better. Um, well, that, that, that okay. uh,
1: there, there's some uh, rea- there's some realities when it comes to ticket prices. Look, I, I know. There's oh, st- yeah. no, I, it, I know there's sticker totally shock. Is. I, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's sticker shock, but but you know sometimes those things are actually justified. Sometimes those sometimes MLS teams has have uh, have artificially depressed ticket prices to get people in the door. And yeah, maybe it's not cool to spring it on you. But you know, from year to year, that your prices, uh, your ticket prices, are likely to go up on some level.
2: Oh yeah, no, I, I get that. I get that, and and I get up on some level. I'm talking ten to fifteen. When it was, okay. when it was forty percent, right. was a huge hit, and we we called in the front office and said, "Hey, I mean, this is huge. What, what's the reason on this? Is it cost?" And their big thing they said was demand. They said the number one reason we're pushing up is because people want to buy the tickets so well, which which makes sense because they were selling out left and right last season. Yeah. this season they're. Um, they're not doing near as well filling that stadium. It's been it's been a little bit since we've had a sellout out crowd. I mean, it's not just doing not doing really well. People are leaving early at the games. I mean, the Portland game was it was pretty bad. Everyone about I'd say probably around seventy minutes. You had probably only less than three quarters of the stadium still in their seats, which yeah. never is that way usually at the RSL game. So. Anyways, overall, it's just I'm I'm getting worried with the whole franchise, and and it's not not doing great. I don't I really don't think we'll probably re- be reuniting our two tickets. Well, this front office It's just a mess right now.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens and and what Hanson does in terms of the restructuring. Um, it's usually better to have, you know, truly local ownership, which uh, which Hanson is. It's usually better to have. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I don't know what to make it because he also has committed to doing things like build that stadium for the USL team, which I don't know where that stands right now. Uh, Landon, you can tell me, but he's done some good things in addition to sort of questionable things, or at least losing again, the architects. And this is pretty traditional though. You know, you have somebody come in, he's on the team for what, two or three years at this point you have somebody come in yeah, yeah. yeah and and they want to be they want the team to reflect them not the previous management or ownership in the in this case you know Chekets is the guy who built everything there when Hanson comes in and he buys the team and yeah he's he wants to be successful but he also doesn't want it to be well Deloitte Hansen owns the team but really this team was built by Dave Chekets and they win they win games because of Dave you know that's that's an ego thing and and you don't get to be rich enough to buy a team because you have a small ego so it's it's uh, it's tough Landy, you got anything else?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I get it. I I get that sentiment, but at the same time, as the team he fought was winning titles. Yeah,
1: no, the well, team he has now is not. They they won one. They went to a Champions League final. They
2: won, they, won, go ahead. They made it de- decent into the playoffs last year. I mean, they've done pretty well. So I don't, I don't know. I I, I get that sentiment, but at the same time, it seems like he's shooting itself in the foot. Uh, by the way, that USL stadium that. That one is, uh, it's, it's going forward. It's being built, built in, uh, West Valley, which wasn't the where they wanted it originally, but it's not a bad place. Okay. They're, they're still moving forward with that. So okay. he's having some impact on there. Yeah. Um, and I know he's talking a lot about bringing a, uh, the, the women's team in, um, right now as well, the NWSL. Okay. Um, they've been talking about that for a while as well. So okay. he's looking to make some changes, kind of put his stamp on things, which is great, but when you kind of start killing off your cash cow, it doesn't look great.
1: We'll, we'll see yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks for the call, Landon. I, I, RSL definitely a team in transition, an organization in transition. Bill Manning, president of the club, has now moved on, and uh, they're redoing everything. Bill in Rockland County, you're on the air. What's up?
5: Jason, how's it going? No rant today. Uh, too much on Monday. I got a question for you,
1: though.
5: Okay. Yellow to Rangers. Yeah. You think MLS dropped the ball a couple of weeks ago if this guy goes to Rangers?
1: What, are you saying that MLS should have been chasing to, to bring him here?
5: Oh, if he, can, if he can play in Rangers, I think any team in the MLS. Well, sure, but, but, but there there are there's there's other
1: con, but there are other considerations, Bill. I mean, let's let's remember that the MLS schedule doesn't line up uh, with the rest, of, you know, with Europe. Uh, let's remember that you know London to Glasgow is a as a short little flight. Coming across an ocean is is something much different. Um, the, the, you know, when you loan a player, you lose control. Now you're supposed to get some promises. You're supposed to have some idea of how much they'll play. Otherwise, why you're loaning them. But I, but I think that Zalalem is probably best served to stay in that general area. I, I, yeah, maybe he could have ended up in MLS, but I'm not sure that that's something that Arsenal really, really would have considered anyway, like to, at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be great. It'd be fun. But where is he going to go and step right in and get the sort of playing time he might at Rangers?
5: Well, because when I heard they said a Scottish team, and I just assumed it was Celtic. And I thought to myself, "I said that's still a risky move because Celtic isn't in the Champions League. Which, uh, by the way, for everybody, they're playing a home and away on Fox Sports 2 today against Namath. They won that series in the, the group stage in the Champions League. And I thought that would be risky because if Celtic doesn't make it to the Champions League, I'm not in sure first division Scottish is good for him.
1: Scottish league is good for him. Okay. I mean, I I think again, I think it's more important. And we've actually got Andy on Twitter telling me Zalalem plays to the level of his teammates. We all know this. If he drops down to that level, that hurts his development in my opinion. What do you mean we all know this? Do we really? Do we is that like something everybody knows that Getty and Zalalem only he only plays to the level of his teammates? I don't understand that. That's not something I, I, yeah, I don't get that either. I don't I don't get that. I don't know where Andy's got this universal belief. But but I think that it, as I sort of laid out with this, the the move a move to Rangers and and Bill, you know, the other thing that's out there right now is that it might not end up being Rangers that Fulham and Birmingham, Birmingham Birmingham City and somebody else has some interest. If it does end up being Rangers again, what's what for me? I think what what the the silver lining is whether you care about the you know whether the quality is good enough or not is that he's playing in a place where he's got to be part of a winning team. He's got to be he's going to feel the pressure of needing to win. And this is probably time in his career where that's almost more important than the quality of the players around him. I mean, we know about his technical ability. He's got that already. I don't know that his form is going to drop off because his teammates aren't on Arsenal level. Certainly they're on, you know, whether or not they're on U21 Arsenal level. And he gets to be in a crucible that will either turn him into the kind of player who can handle that sort of pressure and he'll be ready to step into Arsenal's first team coming up soon. Or... We'll learn something about him and whether or not he needs more development at 18.
5: Yeah, I just hope we don't lose him because yeah. I think he's got a lot of talent. I'm surprised to hear what that guy said, too, about he plays at the level of people around him. It's way too early to say that. I think A young so guy too. like him, yeah. the sky's the limit for this guy if he has the right leadership.
1: Yep, I, be- I believe that you're correct on that, Bill. I appreciate the call, man.
5: Thanks, Dave. There
1: goes Bill in Rockland County. Let's uh, check in with Nelly in Dallas. What's up, Nellie?
0: Hey Jason, I uh, you know you were talking about MLS owners, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've brought up this topic up this week, but, uh, FC Dallas fans are not happy right now with, uh, FC Dallas owners. They're raising ticket prices on our supporter groups. One of my friends who's, uh, with the, the, the top supporter group for FC Dallas, the Beer Gardens, they, uh, he told me he's not renewing next year because the owners are they're doubling up the prices on there. And he feels that in a way the owners are trying to kick out the, the beer guardians from, from the beer guardians by raising the prices. And I just don't think that's, that's kind of reasonable. I mean, I know the team is hot right now, but we haven't brought a superstar to, to, you know, make it valuable to raise the ticket prices, especially driving far away to go to the games. Yeah. I just wanted to see what you think about that.
1: Uh, I have heard about this. I did mention it briefly. Uh, there, the, the, the reports are that, uh, as you said, they're raising ticket prices on the supporters groups. Uh, the math is a little fuzzy for me, but I think it's something at least two hundred percent. And the you know whether or not it it really is about HSG trying to push certain supporter groups out or or try or or, or you know. Valuing you know families and and this youth soccer crowd over the supporters or not if that's the perception that's a problem, that means they have a PR failure. And I've also heard and, and I don't know if you know this as well, Nelly, but I've also heard that they've had uh, they've removed something of uh, they've removed some of the parking lot space that the supporters were using for tailgates. Which you know obviously American so- sports culture tailgating is a big part of it. Uh, you use that as a recruiting tool. It's just a, a fun time. It, it make it creates a sense of community that support that yeah, uh, soccer teams need in this country to get the supporters in to to make the atmospheres that make the games better and more fun to go to, et cetera, et cetera. I hope yeah, this, that's true. I I, I, I hope to they're the
0: not. LA Galaxy this weekend and and we we have to pay for parking now. They're charging for parking and in the past parking was free. Yeah. I mean there were some areas that you could park for free, but who knows, maybe next year we're gonna have to start paying for parking again. You know, I'm looking and, and I'm looking at kinda, this. I'm looking your fans in a way.
1: You don't want to alienate people, and there, there needs to be communication, and maybe that's part of the problem as well. I'm looking at this Forbes list. Again, who knows how accurate this stuff is. MLS isn't the kind of league that gives this, these informa- this information out uh, readily, but if, you're, if you believe this, FC Dallas is solidly middle of the pack in terms of club value and in terms of revenue, although they are, by, uh, by Forbes' estimation, losing $3 bucks a year uh, or, or did lose $3 bucks last year that may be the reason this stuff is happening. There may be a reckoning happening inside the halls of Hunt sports group, and they're looking at their bottom line. They're saying we can't afford to lose money anymore. Let's, you know, it's either cut a lot of places or, or do things like raise ticket prices and start charging for parking. Although I've also heard there are rumors that there's going to be some sort of stadium construction product project or upgrade or something coming to, to, um, Toyota Field, so I, I don't know what's going on in Dallas, and if, if we can find somebody to to give me real insight, I would love to get it, Nelly.
0: Yeah, uh, I have heard in the past that they want to put a roof in the stadium, which would make that place a billion any. times better. Upgrades on that. <laughs>
1: if they actually did that, it would make that place a thousand times better in terms of just not only because of the heat and the and the sun in Dallas and Frisco, but also because it would start to hold in some of the noise and give that place a real actual. Closed in, uh, you know, atmosphere, a uh, uh, a sense that it is a stadium with, um, you know, with the opportunity to make noise and be, uh, to be a home field advantage for FC Dallas.
0: Yeah, I think the first problem was building the stadium in Frisco, and I know I've talked about that before. But the driving distance, the traffic in the Metroplex, even this weekend, the city of Frisco does not know how to handle. The traffic coming out of the stadium. This past weekend, LA Galaxy came in. It was sold out, a lot of cars. It took me almost an hour to get out of Frisco. Wow. And I don't think the city could have handled the traffic where if you go to Arlington for Cowboys and Texas Rangers games, the police are there to handle the traffic well. And in Frisco, you can't. And for me, that has to drive almost two hours to go to an FC Dallas game. That kind of fixed me being a season ticket holder when before in the past I lived in Dallas, I could go because Frisco was closer, but if they were in Arlington or Dallas or... You know, the original plan was to build a stadium in South Dallas. Mm -hmm. But I think the city of Dallas didn't want it. And they went to Frisco, and they couldn't get any fans. And if they were raising the ticket prices because they signed a superstar, like Michael Essien was in the talks last year, they were talking to Drogba. I would understand, but just raising the ticket prices because all the team is hot and, you know, we need money. Well, I guess we're going to have to sell Fabian Castillo if, you know, if I want my ticket cheaper. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess so. I, it's it's a difficult thing. And, and you know, Rich, thanks for the call, Nelly. I appreciate it, man. There's uh, Rich on Twitter's got <laughs> – I'm assuming his tongue is in his cheek a little bit. MLS owners, public enemy enemies, number one. Th- this is – it's a fine line between – Calling for a change and 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 protesting against ownership and railing against the 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 ineffectiveness of the ownership and their their unwillingness to spend money to compete et cetera et cetera all these all these things, and the fact that they are if if it's not for these owners there is no league if there's not for these owners there is no there are no teams, um. Fans have uh, you know we are we're talking about sports teams and sports teams at some level are part of the public trust in addition to being wholly owned assets of say of Rich Guy number 1 Rich Guy number 2 and that's a very difficult sort of balancing act for for the owners and for the fans to to try to reconcile the fact that yes he owns the team he can do what he wants he can he wants he can charge what he wants he can pay for the players what he wants within the cer- within certain rules and he, this belongs to us and we have a right to be upset if you are Charging is too much money to come out, and it's, it, it means I can't see my team. Or you're not spending enough money to be competitive on the field. I don't know where that balance is. I think it's, uh, it's individual to each team. And clearly when you have a record of failure, like in Chicago, and there becomes uh, there, there, there's an anti-ownership movement there, you can justify that. You can understand that. When you see what happens in Philadelphia and some of the um, some of the protesting against Scekovic and the ownership group in Philadelphia, you can sort of understand that they are not meeting the standard that would come from the fact that they are this well-supported team. They should have been able to make something out of this. They've got this nice stadium. Again, are these owners failing in the sense that they are not doing what they what they're supposed to? They're not doing what they owe the fans, or? are they exercising their right to do nothing because they're owners and that's their team. I mean we we we're out we're out of the era of clubs. We never had that here in the US, but certainly in soccer. We're out of the era of clubs that are then um co- collective uh, part of the 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 collective in the the community to the point where it ultimately comes down to the community choosing how things go. I mean, we we've seen the the efforts of my FC and uh, uh, Nashville FC and some of these some of these teams that are trying to be crowdsourced. That doesn't always work either. You got to have somebody making decisions. It's just ah, it's very difficult. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Wednesday. Thanks to Ross Dunbar for stepping in and having a conversation with us about Bundesliga. Make sure you're checking out the Bundesliga on Fox uh, only helps that. uh only only helps that we get more and more soccer in this country certainly of top quality and Bundesliga is that. All right, are we done? We're done. All right, go to backheel.com/store. Not only do we have these lovely mugs that have the the Soccer Morning logo on it. We also have some pretty cool t-shirts. We just uh, Trevor just put together a brand new Poku t-shirt that you absolutely must get your hands on. Go check it out backheel.com/store. Um make sure you are uh, you're subscribing to the show as well, iTunes um, is the best place to do that. Am I missing anything? Uh, should I be plugging something else? I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, no? Yes? Maybe? All right, whatever. We're out of here. Thanks thanks again for listening, guys. We'll talk to you on uh, on Thursday. Oh, yeah. New videos on the YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Soccer Morning on YouTube. And send us your best soccer show logos. <laughs> Bye.
5: Disappear